Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome again. My name is Joey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor right here, and we're honored you're with us. I want to welcome our online community and also those at a physical location. Let's welcome everybody today. So we're, we're really glad you're with us. We're, we're in a season right now of focused prayer and fasting. And this is week one of our season, Great Lent. And we're, we're excited about what God's going to do in your life and want to encourage everybody to participate. We already started fasting as a church family, uh, and we're going to continue that. This coming week, we're going to be doing a Daniel fast, which is really just uh, the easiest way to say it is just fruits and vegetables. That's the best way to say it. But you can look up on the internet or other places or ask for some resources around that. Uh, last week, we were fasting caffeine and sugar. Uh, I hope uh, no one killed anybody. And uh, uh, if you did, it was justified and legal uh, because you're not having caffeine and sugar. And uh, technically on the Daniel Fast, you can't have that either. So you see how we slipped two weeks of caffeine and sugar in there. Anyway, join us, participate. Uh, we believe God is moving and going to move. First couple weeks of fasting especially are challenging. Enemy is fighting tooth and nail to keep you from all God wants for you. Uh, so press in and press on, all right? All right, well, uh, so here we are, uh, week one of this season of Great Lent together, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to say to us. I have no idea what God's going to speak next week. I just know what he's going to speak today. I want to tell you a quick story, and, and um, you know, my wife earlier, uh, my birthday was back in January, and she surprised me uh, for my gift. Uh, you know, I'm getting older now. And so she's like, you need this portable hot tub. And I was thrilled about it. And a portable hot tub, if you've not seen them, they're like 75% cheaper uh, than regular hot tubs probably a reason for it. And, uh, and, and so, it, it, but it was like this nice size, you know, hot tub and, and you got to do the work. You got to fill it up and you got to put the chemicals in it and put the filter. And, but I was really excited about it. And, uh, but as we were, you know, setting it up, um, I, of course my birthday gift, I, I had to help. Um, I digress, um, but it wouldn't work. And so then I'm like, my birthday's ruined. My life is ruined. I'm on the other side of, of death now. You know, it's like things aren't working. I had a good start, good run, like all these emotions and it's just not working. So I'm furious. And so of course my wife is stressed out because I'm stressing her out about it. And so she's emailing the company and calling and they're not responding and it's just not working. And it got, I may mean, think it got up to like 70 degrees and uh, which sounds horrible. It sounds like a bad bath. <laughs> and and uh, my, just my dreams where it's going to be cold and I'm going to sit outside and uh, I, I'm just going to, you know, hear from God. You know, this was my. And uh, so finally, they, the, the company wouldn't respond. They didn't care. And so I, I was like, I'm calling the credit card company because I paid for my own birthday gift because <laughs> we share accounts. And because... Uh, <laughs> 
we're, we're married and that's what you do. And so anyway, I, I was like, I was with the credit card. And I was like, we're not paying for this. We're not paying for this. They ruined my birthday. I want this company to fail, you know, like. So anyway, we get our money back and just for, for weeks, like no, no activity. Well, the other day I was like, I just want to try this again, you know, and if it works, maybe I'll, I, I probably should just like pay for it. But like part of it, because I'm emotionally damaged from what's happened. This is too long of a story and I have so much scripture, but anyway, it kind of worked. I call it a warm tub. I think it's a lemon. It's kind of broken. Anyway, but I was sitting in there. This has no relevance on the message. I was sitting in there and I felt like, and I was sitting there, I was going, Lord, what, what do you want me to, to say over the next several weeks? And I felt like God was like, I don't want you to make this a series. This is a season. Because when, when you have these, these sermon series, you kind of have planned out messages and you're ready and you're going somewhere and there's a call to action. But I felt like I was like, just, just listen to my spirit every week and just meet me out here in your warm tub and I'll tell you what's next. And so this is what God told me for this week. Draw near to me. That was it. That was the, that was the, just that little couple words was what I heard from God for myself and for us. And so each week I'm just going to listen for the Holy Spirit. Not that I don't always, but I just, no plan. I'm just going to catch it week of and say, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? And this week, draw near to me. That's the title of my message. And so I'm going to go Jeremiah 29 12 and James 4, 8. We're going to go two passages of scripture today. Uh, and uh, I want to kind of give you a little context on what Great Lent is, okay? So traditionally, uh, in, in particularly in Greek Orthodox or even Catholicism, the season of Great Lent is a time of preparation for the Feast of the Resurrection of Christ. In other words, it's the living symbol of man's entire life, which is to be fulfilled in his own resurrection from death with Christ, Okay, so it's beautiful. Uh, it's a time, Great Lent is a time of renewed devotion, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, it is a time of repentance, a real renewal of the mind, hearts and deeds in conformity with Christ and his teachings. And listen to this, it is most of all a return to the great commission and commandments of loving God and loving neighbor. So that's really what it's about. Now, Lent uh, has some, uh, some calendars connected with it and even some stories and scriptures, and you can look those up. We're gonna, we, we always do our own version of Lent, just so you're not confused. We're doing our own version. That's why I'm teaching a different passage today than what would be in the calendar, and we kind of do our own fasting regimen. You can really do whatever you want, uh, but, but we kind of create our own. And so some would consider the Lent season as bright sadness. Listen to that dichotomy, bright sadness. It's a hopeful time of grieving. I'm grieving over my sin. I'm grieving over the world, but also there's great hope because after the winter comes the spring. After death come resurrection. I was explaining this to my son the other day that uh, he's like, oh, the trees are dead, but dad, they come back to life. And I said, son, this is an example of what the spring is and what Easter is. Things died, but they come back to life. And I'm hoping for many of you, things that have died in you are going to come back to life in this season. 
So 40 days of fasting is in commemoration of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness where he fasts, you know the story, and he's, he's fasting and, uh, and he's, he's, you know, in this place of seclusion and obscurity and he's fasting and the devil comes to tempt, tempt him. Do not be surprised that in the midst of your fasting or even in your weakest and most vulnerable moments, the enemy comes at you harder than ever because he knows he's losing ground. And the enemy presents to Jesus this kingdom, which is what Jesus came for, but the enemy will always pervert will always pervert what you're here to do and what is pure. Sex outside marriage, the enemy will come and present to you that it's a good thing. And while sex is a good thing, it's best inside the confines of marriage. There's always a perversion. And so the enemy comes and and he presents this and he says, bow to me and you can have it all. But Jesus knows he came for a different kind of kingdom. So he denies him. This is kind of the what happens. And then after Jesus is victorious and then he goes and he gets baptized and God basically says, this is my son whom I'm pleased with. And then he begins his public ministry. Before there is breakthrough, there is great challenge. And that's what fasting is. It's the in-between time of redemption coming forth and the, prep, and the preparation and even pain before the breakthrough. So it's fair to say that Lent is a perfect time to draw near to God. It's a perfect time. It's always a good time, but a a focused time on drawing near to God because we're believing that there's going to be great breakthrough on the other side of our challenges, temptations, troubles, disappointments. Now you've heard the infamous passage, Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you have it in your bio right now. You have no idea what the passage really means. You just love the fact that God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, to give you lots of money, Camaros, Mercedes, Benz, a hope, a big house, a wife, seven kids, and a future. Um, But let me give you a little context for this. It sounds good, but it's incomplete. Uh, Jeremiah 29 contains a letter from Jeremiah, who's writing as the Lord's prophet, to the exiles in Babylon, the people of God. It was especially directed to the leaders or the remaining elders of the people of Israel, uh, of the Jewish community. Uh, Babylon had invaded both Jerusalem and Judea twice, 605 BC and 598 BC, and had taken captives. Now there was still a remaining sizable population of Jews in Jerusalem and Judea, but they would also be soon conquered and carried away in force to exile. This exile was allowed by God, hear me, it was allowed by God because the leaders and the people of Israel were disobedient, allowed idols and other things before God. They were cheating on Yahweh. They were cheating on Yahweh. And sometimes God will allow exile, obscurity, great trouble in your life. He will allow it so that you would turn back to him. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I would say all the time when you're at a low place, it's actually a good time and it's actually an opportunity for God to really get your attention. The letter goes on to say in verse five through nine of Jeremiah, uh, 
29, that make sure while you're there in exile, I want you to build houses. I want you to dwell in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat their fruit. I want you to take wives, have kids, take wives for your sons and daughters, uh, and so that they would have sons and daughters, that you may increase there and not be diminished. This is important. Seek the peace of the city where you are in that I've caused to carry you away captive to and pray to the Lord in it, in its peace, in the, in the peace of the city you're in, you will have peace. The reason Jeremiah writes this from God is because God is saying to the people of Israel who are in exile, it's gonna be a while. Make the best of it. Some of you, listen to me, feel captives in the city that you live in in the city that God has called us to, in the soil. And I would say to you today, we need to seek the peace of our city and declare Christ often and always. Some of you feel captives to your calling, your personal calling to ministry. And I would say to you today that you need to dig your feet in and let God work in the midst of it. Some of you feel captive to your work and to your family. You feel like you're in a prison. And I would say maybe God wants to do a work there. Some of you feel captive to your mind, to your body. God may have a use for the trouble you are experiencing. Some of you forget that God does his best work in captivity. L listen to me and look at, it, look at me. God, listen to me. God can increase and multiply you in the midst of very unfavorable circumstances. I'll say it again. I want you to receive it and write it down. Even put it in the chat. God can increase and multiply you in the midst of very unfavorable circumstances. Now, Jeremiah warns of false prophets in their ranks who are saying this exile will end soon. But Jeremiah prophesies and declares that it's going to last 70 years. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. These plans are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's the context of Jeremiah 29, 11. And uh, I believe that that is still true today. But there are circumstances uh, that, um, that, that preface all of that. And, and I told you today, my message is about drawn near to me. And, and what happens after Jeremiah says this, for I know the plans I have for you, it's gonna be 70 years. And of course he's proven right. Jeremiah then says this, and, and this is where I wanna go today. Jeremiah 29, 12, in those days, when you pray, I will listen. You've done a lot of bad stuff. You've made idols, your forefathers and your, your leaders, your government, they failed you. It's put you in exile. Some of you are innocent, but you're guilty by way of association because these are your leaders. And, but Jeremiah is telling the people, God is telling the people, in those times, when you're in exile, when you're in trouble, when it's unfavorable, when you pray, I will listen. I quite love this. Those days references were times that God's people were entirely displaced, disappointed, uncomfortable, confused, and outside the will of God. I think God will hear those who pray to him even when they're outside of his will. It's a true statement that God's thoughts 
towards you don't change based on your proximity to him or even when you don't think of him at all. We know this to be true because of the passage, but also Psalms 139.17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. In other words, listen to this. God, you examine my heart and know me and my motives. I can never escape from your spirit. That's what this passage says. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. You know my inner parts and you delicately designed me. You saw me before I was born and you number my days. This is what that passage says. So it's really not about your proximity. It's literally about if you're willing to draw near. You've heard that phrase, draw near to God. It doesn't simply mean come. It might actually mean that there's some things I got to throw off. And one of the things that we have to throw off is the thinking that God's thoughts towards us are anger. The, the, the emotions he puts on us is guilt. Hate disappointment no it is it is literally it's it's literally the prodigal son it's the father saying call to me come home and i'll meet you and run to you there's a difference between thinking of someone and thinking towards someone god's thoughts are towards you towards you the dim, the difference is simply that i'm thinking of you today well that's great but what does that accomplish? Thinking towards someone is planning for them. God is proactively thinking about you and how to get involved in your situation, even if your situation is unfavorable. The point is this, pray and I will listen. Pray and I will listen. Take a step and connect with me and I'll be more than willing to take a step towards you. Draw near to me. Whether you're going to be in this circumstance for a while, good or bad, draw near to me. I'm listening. And here's what God does. God says, I can handle your fear. I can handle your frustration. I can handle your doubt and your disappointment. I can handle your unprofessional prayers. I can handle disease, misfortune, mistakes. I can handle your concerns. I can handle all of that stuff. Just draw near to me. Just come. If you pray, I will listen. If you call, I will listen. If you worship, I will listen. There's really no preface to that. And so if God is willing to listen to his people, listen to it. If he's willing to listen to his people in bad circumstances, of course he's willing to listen to his people when nothing's going on in good circumstances. In other words, I'm here for you all the time. Two in the morning or two in the afternoon. If you pray, I will listen. Jeremiah 29, 13, God then says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God does not hide from his people when they seek him. Seeking God and then God revealing himself to us is part of our promised future and hope. The best way that I can describe this is in Luke chapter 11, verse five. Bible says this then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used his story, this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you say to him, 
a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. Everybody has friends like that, by the way. They show up unannounced hungry. And suppose, I have staff like that. And he suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the, the door is locked for the night. That's what Pastor Jarek would say. And my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence, your undignified persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In this Jeremiah passage, God is teaching the people of God to come back to him to seek him first and foremost and to not give up. Remember, they were exiled because of idolatry. The same principle of the garden, the, the same exact principle of choosing to eat the fruit and making that an idol when God said, no, seek me wholeheartedly, be persistent. And I think in our society, I think, we have lost the art in a lot of ways of persistence. Why? Well, we've, we've formed weak habits. Do you remember going to Blockbuster? Some of you don't actually. But it's like, this was a whole thing on Friday night. I'm going to Blockbuster. I've got to choose 17 movies to last me through the weekend. And hopefully they're good. Got to choose a video game to last for a month. Hopefully it's good. Or... Do you remember Redbox? Does that still exist? It does. Wow. The thing is, is it's easy for us to just go puff some sour candy or even cereal, I think. I mean, I mean everything is at our fingertips. And I think the point is, is seeking God wholeheartedly is the only thing left in this world that isn't on demand. Seeking God wholeheartedly is the only thing. I, I think that drawing near to God teaches us to want God more than God, more than us wanting God to meet our needs. And a lot of us have this love for God that's just an idea where we have a passion for God to meet our, our needs, but not a passion for God. So God in his love for us in his love for us and his desire to know us will sometimes withhold certain things or blessings so that we learn to seek him and need him and so that he's good enough. Is God withholding something from you so you might draw near to him first? Is God teaching you how to pray breakthrough prayers? Because if he just answers right away, then you've not learned to pursue and seek is God growing your grit and wants you to grow? Maybe, maybe when you get blessed, you're quick to forget about God. Seek me wholeheartedly. 
seek me wholeheartedly. Come to me, seek me wholeheartedly. Keep pressing, keep, because you're going to learn more about me. You're going to learn that the deeper you go, the more you're going to love. The deeper you go, the hungrier you'll be. And the less the things of this world will satisfy you. Draw near. In Jeremiah 29, 14, and I'm almost done. God says, I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Now, one final thought on this passage. God makes promises to his children. And these promises hold true for you today. I want to read Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. Bible says, praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? But the dichotomy here is these exiled people, he promises to deliver them in 70 years. Here's what I'm saying, and I need you to hear this. God may deliver you or heal all your diseases through death or through the next generation. I'm not saying don't believe it. I'm not saying don't believe for it. I'm not saying don't have faith. I'm not saying don't lay hands and cover yourself with oil. All I'm saying is sometimes God delivers you and your offspring through time. And it's your decisions in the midst of not getting the answers you want that God does his greatest work. Sometimes God doesn't take away the thorn but he chooses to use it so that the next generation doesn't have it. And the question for you is, will you still draw near? No matter how long it takes, is God enough? This is what Lent is about. Is God enough? If he's all we have, will he be enough? Without food, is he enough? Without relationships, is he enough? Without blessing, is he enough? Without new stuff, is he enough? Without a healed body, is he enough? Without getting all the things that you think you deserve and earned, is he enough? Without the promotion, is he enough? Without the kind of relationship you thought you'd have or the family, is he enough? Without all the things that Disney painted in your mind, is he enough? See enough? Will you still draw near? It's it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, "Okay, I'm not bowing." And if the fire kills me, so be it. I'm still gonna go. I'm not gonna bow. I know will deliver me, but whether he delivers me or not, he's still my God, and he's enough. And eternity will be satisfying to me. It's Paul saying, okay, to live is Christ, but to die is gain because to be absent from the body is to be present with God. It, it's, he's enough. So how does one draw near to God? How? You know, I couldn't end without giving you a couple practical steps because I'm such a good pastor to you. James 4.8. And by the way, the book of James literally comes for your throat the entire time. Come close to God and God will come close to you. 
just a repeat. It's, it's wash your hands, you sinners. I mean, J- Jesus says it in his story, right? You, if, if you fathers who are sinful people give good gifts, right? It's okay to just acknowledge, hey, some of us are sinners. And you watching today, you might be a sinner. And he's, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So I want to take the passage backwards and I want to give you some practical steps. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. How do you draw near to God? Here's the first thing. Number one, you got to break up with the world. Your allegiance and your loyalty must be to God and to the kingdom first. Every ideology, every loyalty, every lifestyle, your time, your money, your talents. I break up with the world. It's not that I can't enjoy things from the world. They're for me, but they're under... They're they're under my ability to lead it. It shouldn't lead me. Food, you name it. I'm submitted and I'm surrendered. I must break up with the world. And some of us are way too loyal to the world, to the things of the world, to political parties, to ideas. You want to draw near to God? Let's make him first. Second one is it says, purify your hearts, wash your hands, you sinners. Well, literally, we've got to purify our hearts, our heart and our body. We repent from sin. That's what we do. We, 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 we have to repent from sin. And church is a great place to be reminded and then do that and say, okay, I'm going to repent from my sin and I'm going to leave it here and I'm going to make a 180 degree turn. I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to get folks in my life who are going to help me stay the course. And when I fall, they're going to help pick me back up and I'm going to go. I'm repenting. I'm not just swiping the credit card of grace. I'm moving on from lifestyles that are not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm living, I'm living knowing that, okay, at times I might miss it, but I've got brothers and sisters picking me up and I'm, I'm living a life of repentance. At some point I'm graduating from the same sin. And then the last one is we've got to approach the king approach the king but which is which is what the passage says draw near to god and he'll draw near to you approach him and in just a moment at every location at every location we are going to approach the king and what's so beautiful about all this is he gives us access and so what I want to encourage you to do as we sing these songs is I want you to approach god like your his children How do children approach their parents? With their arms up, totally abandoned, knowing that outside of their arms, they are unsafe. And I want you to get in God's arms and in his heart today and sing his praises and invite him into every aspect of your life. Call him king and make him king in Jesus' name. Come on, let's draw near to God together. I want at every location for you to stand to your feet. If you're online, participate. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to worship together. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would bless and fill every person with your spirit. Today, help us break up with the world. Help us purify ourselves in heart, in mind, and body and God as we approach you may you receive our worship our first like Abel 
we are about to approach you and I pray your presence would come and fall and transform us as we sing heal, heal our bodies as we sing transform our minds as we sing break bondages off of us you are invited here to rule and reign because you are king of our church and of our lives in Jesus name amen let us worship Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.